The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord. Sisters and brothers, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Marilyn loved music. She sang in the St. Olaf Choir. I didn't know about musicals, and it was a good story. <laughs> I was a little nervous. She sang in church choir. She sang in the St. Olaf Choir. She um, sang solos, two of her signature solos being God Bless America and uh, Oh Holy Night. Thanks for playing that right beforehand, Linda. As a piano player, she played with soloists and choirs and even orchestras. She taught others to play. Marilyn loved music. It was an important part of her life for her whole life. It was a very important part of how she worshipped. It was a very important part of how she prayed. She wanted it to be, hoped it could be an important part of how we worshipped and prayed today. And so she and Chuck talked about some of her favorite hymns these last few weeks so we could sing them together and worship with them together and pray with them together. One that she chose we didn't use because number one, I didn't think many people would know it because number two, I didn't know it. <laughs> Probably because number three, it hasn't been in one of our hymnals since the SBH which came out in 1958. <laughs> which means that this is a hymn that the church, uh, well speaking for the ELCA Lutherans anyway, this is a hymn the church has started to forget. Marilyn didn't forget it. She remembered it and she thought of it in these last weeks and she named it for Chuck as one she loved. Remember, Marilyn prayed and worshiped with music. And this, uh, this hymn, which was in the hymnal of her younger worship life, was one she did remember and turn to and pray near the end of her life. Googling it and finding the words and the music, I knew exactly why. It's because this old hymn's theme had become perhaps the major theme for her in these last few weeks. The hymn is called, Jerusalem, Thou City Fair and High. 
pre-1958. <laughs> the Jerusalem being sung about in the hymn is the same one St. John was writing about in that first scripture reading that, that uh, Gary read from Revelation 21. That scripture reading Marilyn also chose, by the way, talks about the Jerusalem that is the new Jerusalem, which is the book of Revelation's name for that place where God will at last make all things new and where things like suffering and sickness and cancer and death and sorrow will be no more. Remembering Marilyn and turning to Marilyn's Lord, I'm going to invite you to join me in prayer as we pray this old hymn. Now, by the way, being a grand older hymn, it includes um, a few grand old words, including one which it's helpful to know the meaning of if you don't. It's the word fain, F-A-I-N. It means gladly or willingly. Let us pray. Jerusalem, thou city fair and high, would God I were in thee. My longing heart, fain, fain to thee would fly, it will not stay with me. Far over vale and mountain, far over field and plain, it hastes to seek its fountain and leave this world of pain. O oh, happy day, and yet far happier hour, when wilt thou come at last? When fearless to my Father's love and power, whose promise standeth fast, my soul I gladly render, for surely will his hand lead her with guidance tender to heaven her fatherland. Saints robed in white, before his shining throne, their joyful anthems raise, till heaven's glad halls are echoing with a tone of that great hymn of praise. And all its host rejoices, and all its blessed throng, Unite their myriad voices in one eternal song. Amen. A blessed throng of myriad voices united in one eternal song. For a woman who loved music as much as Marilyn Denniston did, it's hard to imagine an image of heaven that could have brought her more joy to her soul than that one did. One eternal song sung by a choir that not even the St. Olaf choir could compare to. <laughs> Marilyn, and you can so hear this in that hymn, Marilyn in these last few months and even more so these last few weeks and way more so these last few days had begun more and more to turn her heart, her hopes, her prayers from this life and loved ones here and the abiding joy 
that they, you, brought to her to the promise of heaven and the promises of Jesus in the arms of whose love she trusted were to be found eternal life and joy. As her confirmation verse had said, and which she her whole life long never forgot or let go of in her heart and her hopes, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now, in doing what she did more and more in these last months and weeks and days, in turning her heart more and more in the direction of the fulfillment of that promise, in the direction of heaven, that does not mean, and let me be as clear in saying this as possible, that does not mean that she was turning her heart from or her back to you. That was absolutely not the case in any way whatsoever. To the very end, it was ever clear how much she loved you. She was proud of you. When I visited, she would tell me about the last time that she had seen you or talked to you or gone out to Cheddar's or someplace to eat with you or gone out to Oskaloosa or someplace to visit you and about the next time she thought she'd see you or talk to you or go someplace to see with you. And it's very clear she to the very one end loved you. All of you told me about that little great grandchild of hers, loved that little one. As it was very clear in seeing some of you with her, as I did in these last months, or seeing you and talking with you about her as we did a little more of this last week and seeing all of you today, uh, it's clear you loved her too. This woman, uh, this wife, this grandma, this mom, who was a rare breed, certainly anymore these days or ever, that stay-at-home mom and her kids growing up years, and who loved you, who loved her three kids so much, this is what I heard you, she loved you so much that she wanted you to be your very best. And therefore, on occasion, and with blunt bluntness if needed, she would explain to you what you needed to be doing right now, or changing right now, or stop doing right now, in order to be your best right now and in the future. This woman who also, as you mentioned, and had mentioned to me earlier, as a stay-at-home mom, nevertheless never said the stereotypical way till your father gets home, never said that to you once. I don't know if perhaps she thought that dear Chuck would be too tender. <laughs> compared to the degree of discipline that she was sure was in this moment needed. But I do know from listening to you that, uh, that the disciplined children all do need in order to be who we are able to be um, was delivered right at the time when she thought it was needed and in the manner she thought it was needed. And as you told me, there were times in your cases when <coughs> discipline and blunt talk were needed. We all tested her some, you said. Which I enjoyed hearing. I, I like hearing about families who don't claim to be uh, Ozzie and Harriet's, Harriet's children or, you know, Ward and, Ward and June's family. What I like about hearing family stories is, the, is that the families of the very best stories are the ones whose stories include the ones like some of the ones that you told or that you told me. Those being stories precisely not about perfectly, perfectly perfect people or perfectly perfect parents or children, rather stories about perfectly real people, parents and children, who at the end of the day and at the end of a life know that in this family people loved each other with real love because it didn't require perfection in order to love. Which, of course, is to say that the families 
or whose love for one another um, tell the best stories are the families whose love for one another resembles the love of Jesus and the way he loves us. For in his case, and of course in his case, perfectly, he loves us all, loves you all, imperfections, sins, and all. Speaking of love, that is the kind of love that make love stories that are the best love stories. Dear Chuck, we all know how deep was your love for Marilyn. And I have seen your heart and I know that there is such tenderness there. I also know and want to remind us all that tenderness is not weakness. And tears that I've seen you shed are not weakness, not even a tiny bit. Tears and tenderness are rather strength that is so strong, it's not afraid to allow itself to be vulnerable. Marilyn knew and was on the receiving end of your tenderness, but she also knew your strength, which is why more than once as she was battling this battle she has been battling, she referred to you as her rock. And I know that you are grateful that you got to be the great couple that you were for more than 61 years. I also know that sitting where you are now, my gosh, that 61 years sure went by fast, didn't it? I also know that sitting where you are now, you'd have traded anything. You'd have done anything. You'd have given anything to have been able to love her and heal her for even just one more year together. But you couldn't, and she couldn't, and the best doctors in the world couldn't. And knowing that, and I think that of all of us, I think she was the first to know. Knowing the healing that wasn't going to be in this life. No, 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 of course not, no, she didn't turn her back to you. Nor did she turn her love from you, but she did starting in the deepest places in her heart, she, she turned her deepest hopes in the direction of heaven. For she knew what we all must know in order to live this life as well as it can be lived all the way to the end. She knew that her life on this earth would come to an end. And starting a few months ago, around about the time that she decided it was time to stop with the difficult treatments she'd been being treated with, she realized that in her case, the end of life on this earth with us would in all likelihood come sooner rather than later. And that saddened her. Especially at first. She did not want to leave you. But it didn't frighten her. It didn't frighten her ever. For she knew and believed to the bottom of her heart the one who not only wanted to but also could trade what he traded, and do what he did, and give what he gave, that we with our trust in him and all he did for us, imperfections and all sins and all might, with no fear whatsoever, look to death, not only as that which brings life here on earth to an end, but look to death too as that which comes to walk us home to Jesus and to that place he's prepared for us in that new Jerusalem where love and life will be love and life for forever. Her hope 
And she told me this when we were talking about today, well before today, but knowing today would come, her hope, her deepest hope was that you, her dear ones, would face today resting your hearts and hopes in the promises of he who holds you in his hands too. And that in doing so, you would find in the words of another grand hymn, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. That hope finally being the hope, Chuck, I saw you speak of at the funeral home on Thursday when you touched her on the forehead and you said, I'll see you in heaven. You will, Chuck, you will, for faithful until death, you, when the time is the right time, will receive a crown of life. And fain, fain, willingly, gladly, will go home to see your dear bride again. Until that time comes, and even when it comes, may we all then be as blessed as was Marilyn then, because in life and death we know and trust the promises of Jesus, who, according to elsewhere in the book of Revelation, is the one that at least one choir in heaven's eternal song will be in eternal praise of as they sing this song. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are His. This is the feast of victory for us. Has begun.